Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, Redskins Nation? This is Josh Taylor. And Parker Hamlet. And you're listening to the Burgundy Breakdown Podcast. What's up, Redskins Nation? This is Josh Taylor and Parker Hamlet on the Burgundy Breakdown Podcast to talk about the homecoming game. I know it wasn't a high school game like uh, Kyle Shanahan said it was last week. Um, this one was more of Case and Kirk returning to face their former teams. Kind of excited about this one. Had a lot of emotions in it. Same with AP coming back home to where he laid down his legacy. What do you think of the game, Parker? Well, um, another what seemingly felt like <laughs> another game where it felt like we just burned as much time off the clock as humanly possible. Like we're almost trying to like burn time off the season. I think the combined time for the last two games has been like record lows. I mean, if you watched either this or the 49ers game live, you'd notice that they were, they weren't very long games. I mean, Aikman and Buck even commented on that themselves saying that these games were flying by. It's mostly because, you know, our quarterbacks are throwing like five passes a game, but yeah, overall, you know, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm I'm anything but satisfied, but I mean I guess I'm glad it's over. I mean most people expected you know Minnesota to win this game. They were actually 15 point favorites. Uh, at per usual, like last week, we uh, made it look a lot closer than it really was. Um, so overall, I mean I, I can't really say what I think about the game until we're really getting into it. But I will say that you know it was just another you know letdown. I mean that's really all I can say. You know everybody knows how much I dislike Kirk Cousins, and I hate to see that guy succeed in pretty much any way, shape, or form. I mean, I'm not, when I was a Redskins fan, man, I was screaming at him, calling him Mister Thirty Million. I knew he didn't want to be here, and and to really see him go somewhere else like Minnesota, and you know, not even perform close to his pay grade. I mean, it. He he had a very mediocre game. I mean, I know we're not going to get into that till later, but you know, he he. I don't even think he threw a touchdown pass, and and I don't even think he had his nope. best game of the year. And he played against a one and seven beat down, morally defeated Redskins team. You know, going into this game, they didn't have. Adam Thielen and other key pieces. I mean, who were the inactives? Do you remember? I know Chris Thompson didn't play. Is there anybody else you can think of? Yeah, so Josh Norman was kind of game time. He came back. He might as well have sat out, though. Um, <laughs> you make me spit my drink pretty... out. <laughs> he might, he's might as well have been inactive. He was inactive on the field. Um, but Chris Thompson was out. AP said regardless he was going to play, he showed up. Um, I really wasn't too sure about him coming into the week. But other than that, just the normal uh, inactive, Josh Harmon, Clemens, Wes, Martin, just the usual Trent Williams still sitting out. Um, I think Colt McCoy was still inactive. Yeah, Colt McCoy was still inactive. Um, but the key thing was that AP was coming back. Josh said he was starting. Um, and then, once again, Chris Thompson out. So we expected heavy doses of AP. A lot of Wendell Smallwood, like you said, with yeah. Chris Thompson being out. So, try to yeah. utilize him as our scat back. You know, he was pretty good in Philly. I think that was a big reason I was excited for him to come over is that, you know, they had a very heavy rotation running backs over in Philadelphia. And to see a guy like uh, – for to see us pick up a guy like Smallwood for close to nothing, I thought, had a lot of value to it. I mean, he's a lot like a Capri Bibbs, except, you know, he's got a lot more experience and kind of a little bit of a high higher caliber player, nothing against Bibbs. But, you know, we were definitely expecting a heavy dose of the run, you know, with Callahan at the helm, so – um, to get to go back to old Kirky boy though, you know he 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 did nothing but show us fake love all year. I mean he, you know I mean all, I mean all week leading up to this game. I mean you know he was like I was very 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 thankful to be a Washington Redskins and I'm very thankful for the time I had there and very thankful for everyone I know there. You know he took the high road because that's all he can do. I feel like if you punched him in the face, he'd give you a hug. I mean he's just that kind of guy. 
very very religious based, very family oriented, very Christian. You know, he'd be out there throwing game inning interceptions, screaming "Ah heck!" You know, like that, yeah. that's the kind of like Andrew Luck. Yeah, the like, I, I'd say nicer than Luck. I mean, yeah, like you know, he'd be like, "I'll pray for you after you hit him or something." I mean, it's just kind of the it's the guy Kirk is. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I mean. You know, uh, one of my biggest problems with him being in D.C. is that he was never really a leader and he never really spoke up in the locker room. And, you know, it's no freaking secret, man. He walked into a phenomenal head coach in Mike Zimmer, a very, like, almost perfect deal for, you know, what he was looking for and just a completely stacked roster top to bottom. The fact that they didn't even make the playoffs last year is just amazing to me. I mean, just amazing to me. But, um, you know, like like you and I were talking about last week, we thought this game was going to be very Dalvin Cook heavy. And we we both thought we were going to lose. But, I mean, I, I did you see this game being as close as it was? I, I, that's just something I never really got to ask you. Well, you know, Adam Thielen being out did play a huge part because I felt like their receiving card was pretty one-sided. Um, they did use Cook and um, their backup uh, running back Alexander a lot in the passing game. So, kind of balanced out, and we didn't really see much Rudolph and Irv Smith, rookie from Alabama, for their tight end. So, to me, I figured, you know, if we can move the ball somewhat, then, like, we could stick in it a little bit. But I I figured we would probably lose, like, 14-ish. So, um, weren't yeah. really too far off of it. But the defense yeah, I mean, the definitely Vegas, kept us alive. Absolutely. The Vegas odds, you know, were, I think, 15.6 points, something around that range. So yeah, That's just a lot of points for betting. Absolutely. I was trying to keep up with the game best I could. I was waiting for Modern Warfare to drop, which if you haven't picked that up already, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and plug that in. The game's amazing. I think Josh's PS4 fell three stories. He was just telling me before we started recording. All right, dude. <laughs> yeah, he lost his PS4, so he can't join in on the fun. But yeah. I was keeping up with it on my phone. Um, this is a game that ever since the beginning of the year and how we started, I've been dreading. I mean, like I said, I don't think this game proves that Kirk Cousins is an elite quarterback. I think Kirk Cousins is very weak to weak. And once he plays against teams that are above 500, you know, he – turns into exactly the guy everyone thinks he is. You know, it's a very roller coaster narrative when it comes to Kirk Cousins. So there was plenty of storylines, like you said earlier, coming into this game that definitely made this game watchable despite the game having almost little to no playoff implications for the Redskins. So the Thursday night game, too. Not yeah, a lot of people time, actually watch those. Both teams have extreme, you know, cases of primetime woes. But um, first quarter, game opens up with the uh, Vikings at their own 25. Uh, they start a uh, five-play, 50-yard drive. Um, Stephon Diggs. Absolutely wore Fabian Monroe like he was. I, I mean, Fabian He's still looked there, like probably. He, yeah, Fabian looked like a just a newborn deer out there trying to keep up with Diggs as he was running his yeah, route. Yeah, I think Diggs is running a lot of just quick and go concepts. He caught one at the beginning of the game, which led to his uh their first drive in and then a fumble where uh he just I, I don't think Fabian could have kept up with him if he even tried. I mean, it was it was pathetic. Fabian was just got dusted. Diggs caught a quick pass on the right sideline, cut across the field. And shout out to Deron Payne, who just ran th- ran Stephon Diggs 30 yards downfield, yeah. which is a huge fumble to start the game. I mean, you know, I think everybody in the Redskins Nation was pretty hype on Twitter, too, because, you know, I mean, for us, for our defense to start off with attitude like that, you know, it, it was it was certainly huge. It was a great opening statement. I, there's one thing I can say about the Redskins at the start of this game is that defense came to play, and they honestly superseded any expectations anyone had for them coming into this game, especially oh, with how sure. they started. Big time. Yeah, I think Holcomb, like, moved his arm and, like, got it loosened up, and then Payne came out of nowhere and just popped that sucker out like it was nothing. Yeah, dude, it was a, it was a great way to start the game. Huge morale boost. Team was hype. Um, you know, th- then Case Keenum and the Redskins come on the field. Um, you know, uh, like we said earlier, Case Keenum coming back to the Minnesota Vikings uh, stadium. I think it's his first time playing them since he's been gone, or did he play against them when he was with Denver? I'm not quite sure. 
he might have, but it was his first time like back at Minnesota, I'm pretty sure. And same with Case. He hasn't been back at that stadium since that miraculous uh, play to uh, against the Saints. Yeah, exactly. With Diggs, so. Yeah, so, I mean, plenty of history there. One game out from the Super Bowl. Uh, I think this is a big reason. He, I think, I mean, I think people are lying to themselves if, they're, if they don't at least think that this attributes slightly to the fact that he's the, still the starter up to this point. So, um, Keenan starts off the drive with some pretty good throws to Paul Richardson and a Small, Wendell Smallwood, like we said about 10 minutes ago, was really utilized well as a scat back throughout most yeah. of the game. He caught a pass on the left sideline, uh, ended up getting a first down. He got leveled. I don't yeah. remember who by, but I thought he got his damn helmet knocked off. It was crazy. Yeah, it was nasty. Um, so, like I said, the, stri- the drive starts off pretty well. Um, then we get some play action to Adrian Peterson, and uh, this leads to a Case Keenum strip sack. Uh, I can't remember who stripped him. I want to say it was uh, Daniel Hunter. I want to say maybe Everson Griffin recovered it. Um, so, Within the last five quarters of football, you know, coming into this game, I mean, it, Case Keenum's had zero points. So, everybody knows Case Keenum struggles. I mean, it for me, the biggest thing with him isn't just his decision-making. It's mostly just his ball security. I mean, for him to be a veteran and be in the league this long and have just the piss-poor ball security he has is just honestly staggering, especially knowing he doesn't have Trent Williams, knowing that he's got a makeshift offensive line with a first-round left tackle playing left guard for him to just be as careless as he is playing against his old team to know how good that defensive line is for him to just hold the ball like a loaf of bread like he's LaShawn McCoy is just it's it just blew my mind I didn't I didn't understand it I still his awareness is terrible like when when he has any kind of pressure he doesn't like move up in the pocket he doesn't move around he's just like a a standing doll just sitting out there waiting to get hit he's almost like a glutton for punishment so to speak yeah I mean it's like he it's like he wants to get hit almost like if he doesn't think about, you know, how it can cost the team or what position in the field they're at. I mean, it reminded me a lot of the Minnesota, of the actually the uh, Miami game where uh, he was scrambling back nine, ten yards trying to make a play and not thinking about where he was on the field and how it could have cost the team. It's just he yeah. he may have the seniority, but he certainly doesn't have the football IQ. So as much as people want to crap on Dwayne, they don't really talk about that with Case enough, I don't think. I think they just play the veteran card. and They don't really talk about the things that he's not doing right despite being an NFL starting quarterback for as long as he's been and getting all the opportunities had, you know? Yeah, no. I mean, the D stepped up, got us to turn over, put the offense in great position. We actually moved the ball, and it ends. Yeah. So, that, that's been the story of our offense pretty much all season. They took over, you know, like I said, Keenum got strip sacked, and Kirk and company took over in midfield. Cook starts heating up a little bit. Kirk starts doing these little safe, little short throws, adding to his uh, completion percentage, not really doing much, but just finding open receivers. Uh, and they turn into three points. So we couldn't do that in the last drive, and they actually get some points on the board, something that we struggle with all season, like you just said. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was a five-play, 30-yard drive. I mean, Kirk threw to his guys, you know, did his look, showed some of his experience. He's, he's definitely got a, a, a pretty solid arm. So, I mean, his ability wasn't lacking. You know, like you said, they drove straight down the field. They went up 3 nothing. We You can't be mad at the Redskins defense, man. They opened the game with a turnover against a very talented offense, and we just didn't capitalize on it. I mean, it's just point blank. That's just how it went, you know. Yeah, a lot of times this game, the Vikings drove down the field, and our defense stepped up and held them to three. Um, this was a kickback fest. There was a total of seven field goals made in this game. So, at least credit to the defense for making stops, and it started early, like you said. Absolutely, um, especially when we weren't given a chance whatsoever. Yeah. But uh, the next drive, AP starts running it really well. I think he picked up, like, two, like, ten-plus uh, runs. And Case was actually making some decent throws. Like, everyone's like, oh, Case is what we've been looking for. Oh, yeah. He had a huge, uh, huge uh, play to Terry McLaurin, who just absolutely just juked the hell out of oh, Xavier Rhodes. Beautiful route running. 
And for yeah. a rookie, man, like Chad, like Chad Jusinko said, man, I mean, he's he shows rem- remarkable route running. I mean, he's just quick, very elusive. And, you know, to go against an all-pro corner like Xavier Rhodes, I mean, who, who's not having, a, you know, a career year by any means. But for him to be one-on-one with a guy like that and just make him look silly is, just shows plenty of upside for the Redskins. So that's definitely yeah. good. This is probably my least favorite play of the entire game. It's Case Keenum. <laughs> He's literally standing on, like, the five-yard line. And he has an open lane right in the middle of the offensive line to just walk into the end zone. Oh, God. And he throws it into double coverage. Triple coverage. I, yeah. I, like, I, I made sure to just completely, like, hone in and, and, and get as many details in that play as possible. I don't know if anybody, anybody saw this. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see where Darius Geist tweeted about that? Yeah. They ended up deleting all. He ended up deleting all the tweets, of course. But um, you know, he's too no, busy man. having too busy having fun at the World Series. Um, but um, like you said, Case and them got the third and goal. AP couldn't get anything. They were blowing him up. I mean, Vikings have a stout defensive line. Case runs up the middle, you know, right to the line of scrimmage, and has Trey Quinn right in front of the triple coverage. So, like everyone was screaming at their TV, run it in, run it in, run Just it in. Walk. You could take your time. Uh, like, yeah, you, I mean, he could have. Yeah, like you said, he could have walked in. But of course. Case Keenum does what he does best and fluffs up in the red zone. So that was that was definitely a big gut punch. And that touchdown, I think, would have been the perfect answer to oh, what absolutely. the Vikings were doing. And I definitely think that was a kind of the one of the big differences in the game is that the Vikings were able to at least get one scoring drive that ended in a touchdown, and we weren't able to get one. So yeah, they, we had we had the ball first and goal at the two yard line, and we passed the ball twice. And this is Bill Callahan coaching this offense. People, I want you to take that from into consideration the two, from the two. From the two-yard line. And I don't care whether AP can't get it in or not. I mean, you, you got to make that work. Case Keenum has shown that yeah. his ability to score in the red zone is, is just putrid. It's awful. It just doesn't work. So, why we weren't able to punch it in right there just absolutely blows my mind. But, you know, like you said, uh, ends with a, just a field goal. Uh, what did that make the score then? I, I wasn't – that completely left my mind. At that point, it's 3-3. Like, it's, okay. it's a pretty good game, like, going back and forth. Both defenses are kind of showing – uh, some potential, and then going in the second quarter, Cook just starts heating up. Absolutely, Diggs starts getting open, moving the ball really well. But uh, the defense steps up, got two huge sacks. They were in our red zone. Oh yeah, Madison uh, had a couple good runs, and Ionitis like, blew up. Oh my god! I, and I just want to say this right now: Matthew Ionitis is our best defensive lineman, and it's not even close. Stud, I mean, dude. that that play by Jonathan Allen where he got the big sack on third and goal was huge. But at the same time. Just the consistency that Matthew Ioannidis shows. I mean, he's on a team-friendly deal, just got paid. But for him to just step up and be as just solid and get as much pressure as he is, he, he's a disruptor, man. I mean, there's nothing against Allen Payne or, and Kerrigan and any of them, but, I mean, it's I think it's it's clear to say that the last two, three games, Matthew Ioannidis has just been dominating. Oh, yeah, no, he's, he's showing that he was worth that contract. And this game, for sure, you saw him on, like, every play. Either it was a run stop or getting to Kirk, just showing some pressure. Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah. and, and, but you know, like you said, props to Jonathan Allen for just blowing up the line of scrimmage and obliterating Kirk. That ended yeah. their uh, ten play, seventy four yard drive um, with a twenty nine yard field goal. With Dan Bailey that put them up six to three over the one and seven Washington Redskins. You know, fifteen point favorites. I wish I could show you guys I'm doing the SpongeBob thing, but you know, I, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Redskins didn't get the ball back. Uh, Terry and Kelvin Harmon have two big receptions and. Trey Quinn gets a huge catch as well, puts him inside the 40. Um, then probably my favorite play of the game, um, we run a toss to the right. I posted it on the page and everything. AP gets the toss, plays completely dismantled and broken. I mean, he he was almost better off just falling down. But 
he just shows awareness he hasn't since like 2011, 2012, cuts back across the field and somehow gets a 10-yard run. I, I mean, it was a damn near miracle. I mean, he looked like just an older incarnation of himself on that play. I was freaking freaking out when I saw it. I honestly yeah. thought he was going to score for a second. No, that was beautiful. All those cuts you're showing. I think that, that being back in Minnesota feeling kind of hit him this game and he showed that he still has it for sure. Um, actually moved to six all-time rushing yards this game. That was huge for him. You know, it was an emotional night already and uh, just moving up in history like that. Oh, yeah, man. Then he had, he had, sure he had the home, his old team, you know, old fans cheering him on. He actually said, you know, like you said, he was very emotional about it. It was cool to see AP get some recognition, man. I feel like yeah. because of his just descent from Minnesota, you know, for him to go to New Orleans and have a kind of a fallen out there, go to Arizona, have a fallen out there, you know, I feel like for him to find a home in Washington and, and just kind of keep, you know, doing what he does best, and that's running the ball. For him, just to, just to see that feel-good moment for him, I was happy for him. I think he's certainly yeah. one of the bright spots on our offense when there really isn't many bright spots. Um, no, he's done a lot for the game. He's just fun to watch. Absolutely, Hall of Famer. Um, but, but this this drive once again ends the way that Case usually ends drives, and that's with a fumble. And uh, luckily, we got it back. I, I can't. Remember, I think. Flowers Shout out to Eric Flowers, baby. <laughs> he's, that guy he's is like, having I'll a season, I man. I swear, he's he's asked to do any and everything, and 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 hustles on every single play. I don't think we can just emphasize enough how much of a great acquisition he's been up to this point, you know, for him to make up for case right there. Cause think about it, you know, the score would have been even worse if we hadn't scored a field goal in this drive because of case fumbling. I mean, he was, he was moving up. He finally decided to move up in the pocket and was just getting obliterated and just flailing yeah. the ball around like he does best. So. Yeah. So now that adds up to two trips within the five yard line and two field goals to account for. So you at, at some point you've got to start capitalizing on plays like that and, and drives can't just end in field goals. If you want to win games, you got to turn field goals into touchdowns. Exactly. I mean, that's what good teams do, man. I mean, that was an 11 play, 63 yard drive, you know, and for us to get inside the five again and not score. I mean, like you said, good teams score in those positions. And I mean, you know, like I said, the, the score, the scoring summary, if you were keeping up with it on your phone, was not very indicative of how the game was in real life. I mean, everybody knew that the Redskins had to come out swinging if they wanted to even stay in this game and for them to just keep getting three points when they need to be getting seven was very, was a very vital reason that the Minnesota was able to kind of control the game. You know, they never really, they, at no point did Minnesota, you know, really have a significant, you know, time where they were losing or they were had any form of adversity. They were kind of in control the whole game, despite Washington being kind of frisky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I so said, the defense played their guts out, man, but still like, there was never a time where, it was enough because the offense just couldn't do anything to help. Yeah, and I mean, the half. even one touchdown, it would have been huge. Even one, even one. I mean, whether it have been Case Keenum running it in or someone making a play in the red zone. I mean, for us to not have some sort of package or anything drawn up, which, I mean, we've got Terry McCorn and Agent Peterson, man. You're telling me you can't get in the end zone with at least one of those guys? I mean, Thompson. it just doesn't make any sense. So, Minnesota gets the ball back. They're all tied up. Um, Kirk dump-off mania continues. Um <laughs> for sure. Dalvin Cook makes an incredible play. I think he gets a screen to the left side of the field, cuts across. I mean, he literally tricks the entire defense. Uh, Diggs and some other people block downfield. It gets them inside the 10. Uh, ironically, with the, them being inside the 10, they also had about 10 seconds of halftime. Uh, they were able to stop the clock because he ran out of bounds. Um, they start the four-yard line. Um, Dalvin Cook runs it straight up our gut. I mean, this I, I almost feel like no one this drive – from Minnesota got the ball other than Dalvin Cook and just our inability yeah, to stop guy. him was just pathetic almost. I mean, it's like we knew exactly yeah. what was coming, but we couldn't stop it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and like more towards later in the game, like everyone started complaining, like, "Oh, our defense looks terrible." Oh my God. Dude, you can't. Our de- first off, this is probably the best defensive performance we've had all season. I'm not going to count like Miami because it's freaking Miami. The Vikings average a lot of points a game. I think it's and been damn for, near thirty the last couple weeks. Yeah. Oh, it's like it's like in the it's like forty in the last two weeks. But for us to like get stops, that's huge. We you can only do so much to stop Dalvin Cook. Exactly. And like I said, going in this game, and you said too, you know, he was going to be the X factor in the game. I mean, last year, you know, they they had a little bit of they had a tiny community of running backs they were using. But overall, I mean, Dalvin, they were missing that presence of Dalvin Cook. He, I think he was healthy like what the first three or four games and. He was already yeah. having a damn near MVP campaign level season. I mean, and for them to not have him last year was huge because, I mean, everybody knows how Kirk Cousins loves his running backs. I mean, you know, Jay and Kirk and everybody when they were in D.C. turned Chris Thompson into a household name because, I mean, a lot of their offense relied on him. I mean, I remember when uh, – I think it was the, our Kirk's last season with us. I was at the uh, Oakland game. I swear it's like almost Kirk didn't throw to anybody but Chris Thompson. So, everybody loves him. He was him, our leading receiver Kirk. for a long time. Absolutely. And that's not a knock on, Kurt, on Chris Thompson. I mean, he's a great player. Phenomenal huh? running back, receiving back, whatever you want to call him. At the end of the day, I mean, you know – I'm glad we have him, but at the same time, everybody knows how much Kirk Cousins relies on his running back, so it's not a secret. So, Absolutely. So we got the halftime score, 13-6. Still had some hope just because of how our defense is playing. To me, I was like, look, second half, offense needs to come out and just right away just put the foot on the gas, grind the clock out, get a long drive that can uh, have a touchdown in it, and we'll have some kind of success. But it went completely opposite way. The man, the legend, Haskins, comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I didn't see it, like, coming because no one really talked about Case having a concussion at halftime. They were just like, oh, yeah, start of the second half, uh, Haskins is coming out. Case is getting uh, looked at. I mean, yeah, it was, I was literally out of nowhere. I remember you texting yeah. me. It was like nothing even slightly indicated that, you know, Case wasn't going to be on the field. But apparently, I don't know which play it was on, but I was listening to Redskins talk or another podcast, and they were talking about how players and uh, fans were noticing that when uh, – Case got hit. He kind of got up and said he didn't know where he was. And, and, you know, for the NFL to be as harsh as they are on players with penalties and, you know, be as strict as they are about concussions, for them to not even realize that he was in that kind of state and let him play, all, like, all the way to halftime, it's kind of scary to me because you don't know, really know what another hit could have done to Case Keenum. I mean, he's had plenty of concussions before. He's been a punching bag for plenty of bad teams. And, you know, if, if he had taken any more damage or slightly gotten hurt any more than that, you know, they would have reviewed the film. They would have, you know, they would have been wondering, you know, why didn't we take him out any sooner? I mean, of course, Case is going to want to stay in the game. He's Case Keenum. But, I mean, do, they, do people – it's just crazy with how much money the NFL makes that – and they're paying all these doctors and they think they know better than everybody else. And they're trying to prevent all this stuff for them to just not even realize that that was going on or just to ignore it was kind of scary to me. Yeah, I think he got – it was, I think it was that last drive of ours before halftime. They showed him, like, getting dragged down to the ground. His head kind of just bounced off the turf. But um, definitely that's something you should notice if he's acting like that. You know, going into halftime, it's kind of concerning. But let alone Haskins was coming in. Yeah. He, First he off, gets... I just want to say this. Short week, no prep. I'm just saying he knew he wasn't the starting quarterback. I mean, those are the four words that really epitomize his time in Washington so far. So far. Short week, no prep. I mean, we're not giving the guy the reins. I mean, we're we're having Case Keenum come in and out like a clown. 
acting like he's the so-called leader of this team. We have this win-now mentality when we're one and six. It just makes no sense. I mean, I don't know how anybody, and I hate to get this emotionless early, but I don't know how anybody can even remotely try to, like, evaluate this guy without him playing a full four quarters of football. I mean, you can go the, he played one half against New York and one half against Minnesota, and if you get the cumulative effort and the cumulative play from that, it was not been good. Okay, that's fine. You can make up whatever excuses you want for the kid, whether he isn't preparing or anything. At the end of the day, he has not been given a full week as an NFL starting quarterback to prepare for a game. You can sit here and compare his reps to other people. At the end of the day, he's not getting the starter treatment, so he's not going to be ready like a starter. It, point blank. I mean, you know, like yeah. I said, the um, Minnesota started off this half with uh, three three points. They were up, you know. Um, I think it was – what was it? Um, what was the score? So our drive was the, the three now. And uh, the only thing exciting about it was Jeremy Sprinkle murdering Xavier Rhodes when he caught the ball. Man, no roads um, taken. Yeah, <laughs> the road. It was a road. The road was closed after that play. Yeah, congrats, Sprinkle. Um, Make some plays. Y- yes, finally. But uh, Kirk drives. But once again, the defense gets a stop. The Vikings pretty much all game just drove down the field. Stat stuff. Kirk Cousins passing yards made him look good, <laughs> but he couldn't score. Um, and then the defense was holding him to three once again. So it's sixteen to six at this point, and uh, I'm like, all right, we need to see some Haskins. We need to see this offense kind of do something, getting the ball back, and they they rely heavily on AP. Absolutely, as they should, correct. And uh, so he got he got hot. He had two straight plays, like a twenty five yard rush, a twenty yard catch. So it was fifty yards on the drive. Hold on, hold on. Let's talk about this twenty yard catch, okay? <laughs> Oh, this was the this was the needle. Oh, that was the needle. You know, I I saw a lot of people saying that there wasn't much to see there, but I mean, just the throwing motion, the sidearm. I think Barstool OSU posted it. I posted it. I mean, he fitted into like the smallest window possible, yeah. checking it in AP. I mean, that was probably one of the best throws I think I've seen. Looked almost like Matthew Stafford esque. I mean, I think everybody and their grandmother knew the Case Keenum couldn't make a throw like that. Now that, that's where Dwayne shows one of the main reasons they took him as high as they did is that his arm talent is undeniable. Must that's just pure talent coming through. Doesn't matter what prep you're getting. That right there was just him saying, "This is what I can do. This is my talent." Boom. And the linebacker, I forgot who it was. I think it was like Kendricks, but he looked silly. He was like, he like looked at his hands. He's like, "How did how did I not intercept that?" And he just threaded it through like the perfect window to AP, who made a big play off of it. So that right there, like I was like, okay, like this kid does have something special. I was pretty hyped. Absolutely. Um, like you said, AP got the offense churning. The offense was starting to move. Looked like they were going to kind of retaliate, you know, against what everybody thought they were on the road, you know, playing against a good defense, rookie quarterback coming in, starter down, you know, Dwayne, Dwayne was showing us something, even though he hardly threw the ball at all. You know, he was definitely, he showed his arm talent. And like you said, AP was kind of taking the load and drove the ball down the field. So that was nice to see. Yeah. But the uh, driving's in a sack. Uh, so we had to settle for a field goal. Once again, we definitely wanted to get some points out of the drives, but we had to settle for a field goal. Um, Kurt, this is the pl- this is the drive where they, you know, do nothing, looks like a three and out, and then out of nowhere, Mike Zimmer decides to go for it on fourth and one at their own Balls 34. of steel, Mike. Balls of steel. Huge. But this one kind of backfired for him, but he's playing the Redskins, but he doesn't really care. Yeah, exactly. And And that's kind of the narrative that I don't really like is that, you know, we're just a poorly run – I mean, even though it's slightly true, we're a poorly run organization. We don't know how to do this. We don't know how to do that. You know, complete disrespect. I mean, Mike Zimmer was making fun of Zach Brown last week when he was telling everybody the truth about Kirk Cousins. Um, 
But, you know, for Mike and them to go for it like that just showed almost – while it was very ballsy, showed a complete rack, lack of respect for the Redskins' defense, which up to that point had played very well to be in the circumstances yeah. they were in. But like you said, they didn't get it, so. But the energy that the defense had after getting that stop was huge. I loved it. It felt like a momentum shift. I mean, I think everybody yeah. watching it, knowing that, you know, Hassel's going to get the ball inside the 50, it was only like a, what, seven-point game up to that point? I mean, it, it was a it close was 16 game. 16-9, and nine, so we're still in it. Yeah, exactly. It, it was a completely winnable game up to that point, and, you know, we had very rel- – and like you said, it's been a field goal fest. So everybody thought that, you know, after that turnover on downs, you know, we at least come out of that with three points. But then, you know, the Redskins, Redskins. Yeah, so – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like since Jay's been gone, this defense has played a lot harder. Absolutely, I, there's something. there's no question there. I feel I feel like having that you know yes man out of the building is definitely giving the defense a little bit more of an attitude. I think maybe despite Minuski and Gruden always being linked as good friends, I feel like they probably had philosophical differences, and I feel like maybe Minuski's coaching these guys up differently. I feel like all of them are kind of out to prove Jay wrong. While there are guys like Chris Thompson there who have very good relationships with Jay, Quinn Quinn Dunbar had a very good relationship with Jay. I believe there's also just as many guys who thought he was extremely mediocre and thought he should have been out of the building years ago. So I think you're making a great point when you say that, you know, yeah. the defense is certainly playing a lot harder for, him, for uh, you know, Callahan and Minuski now that Jay's out of the building. With all the injuries that we've had, like I've been impressed. Obviously the secondary needs help. Josh Norman, banged up or not, is still getting burned. You know, we saw Reeves go down. Monte Nicholson's dealing with injury. Dunbar's been banged up throughout the season. Yeah, I'm playing, so, playing without any really significant middle linebackers. Ruben Foster's yeah. down. So, like you said, I mean, there's still plenty of elephants in the room. But at the end of the day, the defense for the position they're in and what they're lacking, I mean, played above and beyond the expectation everyone had for them going into this game. But you won't hear the sports media say that. But us here at the Burgundy no. Breakdown Podcast totally think that's worth a note. So, Yeah, I think against the Lions last week they had 42 points. And then before that, they dropped 38 on the Eagles. So, to me, I was impressed with it. It's just, once again, I've said this plenty of times, our offense, mostly our quarterback play, limits how much we succeed in the game. And that's absolutely why whoever we get next, I mean, you know, Troy Aikman echoed this near the end of the game when they were kind of burning the last time off. He kind of echoed and said that whoever we bring in next, they need to commit to Dwayne. They need to make sure they are completely invested in Dwayne and to make him that guy so that, we can stop having the same conversation every single week about, you know, you know, our quarterback play is limiting us. And because of that, you know, our our car can't run, you know, we're not, we're not firing off our own cylinders. So. Yeah. So speaking of Dwayne, that leads to the next drive where second pass of the drive, he throws it high hit, hit Terry's hands. But I mean, to Terry's credit, he's fully extended as high as his vertical goes and just kind of tips off his hands and it's intercepted. So break down that for me a little bit. Like, what did you see on that? Not only the throw, but the effort by Terry. Like, was it as much Haskins' fault, or was it there was a catchable by Terry, or what do you think of it? Well, I think the sports media and most of everyone's going to tell you that it was Dwayne's fault. And for the most part, I feel like it was Dwayne's fault. You know, I mean, yeah. he put the ball a little too high, but I mean, he's a rookie, man. You know, he he's still trying to feel Terry out. Just because they had that chemistry at Ohio State doesn't mean it hasn't you know diluted a little bit since then. Since Dwayne hasn't been really been, hasn't really been able to play with them much. So, I mean, because of that, I feel like, you know, sometimes people aren't on the same page and, and, and they make slight mistakes. I mean, I thought Dwayne came out after that and, you know, talked to Terry and they, they, they got on the same page. I don't think Terry – I think Terry was very professional and has already shown wisdom beyond his ears and not throwing Dwayne under the bus for that. I do definitely think that was a gut punch for the team. I feel like that that turnover pretty much clipped our balls and took any momentum we had up to that point. And uh, 
I thought it was a good route by Terry. I thought Terry got plenty of separation. I thought Terry was wide open. It's just, you know, I think Dwayne was so scared that he was going to throw the, throw another interception or something close to that, that he tried to put the ball up in there as much as he could to put it to where just Terry could get it. But, you know, I mean, yeah. like with the Vernon Davis play, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, uh, no, no, against the Giants where uh, Vernon Davis ran a hitch and uh, he, he didn't really run the route correctly and Dwayne didn't really know when he was going to turn and pivot his foot. I mean, Dwayne threw the ball, you know, just rookie mistakes, man. It's just, it, it's that simple. Rookie mistakes. I I don't think this means that he's a bust because he threw one interception in the game. Nope. I feel like all of these things are going to make Dwayne better as soon as he gets to, you know, fully take over as the starting quarterback of the team. I mean, he's the future, man. You know, if he, if he's playing bad, throw him in, you know, give him some tape of himself playing bad, show him how bad he's playing, show him the mistakes he's making so he can get better. But just throwing him into these situations, which, you know, I mean, I feel bad for Case Keenum. He didn't ask get a concussion, but I mean, for him to make mistakes like this is normal. It's completely normal. I mean, you know, you know, they were up during the podcast. I mean, during the uh, during the airing of the uh, game that uh, Peyton Manning himself had a horrible rookie season. I think it was yep. twenty seven interceptions. So I mean, yep. you know, one quarterback having a turnover in one game does not mean he's a bad player. I mean, Dwayne had the right intentions. It's just the delivery of the ball is a little bit off. That's something that is going to develop and grow better over time. But the key to that is you have to give Dwayne time. You cannot give him minimal work, minimal reps, minimal studying, minimal practice, all, all these minimal things, and expect him to have full-time results. It just does not make sense. That's literally exactly what I was going to say. You can't you can't give, quote-unquote, half-assed effort and expect a Super Bowl performance every week he goes out there. But what you said with Peyton, that is, that's huge because I want, I want people to think about something. Like, as much interceptions he had his first year, Peyton Manning probably – as a quarterback mind has, is the most intelligent quarterback in probably NFL history. So at, at some point people are like, Oh, he can't read offenses. You know, Dwayne can't do this. He can't do that. At some point you got to think it, maybe it's not just that. Maybe it is to him not getting reps, him not getting the work because he could absolutely be a quarterback mind and be smart. And he showed that at Ohio state with 50 touchdowns. But even with Peyton Manning, he had that many interceptions his first year and turned out to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And definitely one of the best quarterback-minded players of all time. Absolutely. And let me echo another sentiment to you. You got a guy like James Winston, I think it's in his fifth year. You know, he's had a bunch of coaching staffs, you know, a bunch of people that weren't really all in on James Winston. But they go out and get a guy like Bruce Arians, who is a quarterback guru, to coach him up. They get a great defensive coordinator in Todd Bowles. And, you know, even though James has shown plenty up to this point to make you believe and indicate that he is not the guy for the Buccaneers, they're staying above board right now. They're not playing bad right now. And, you know, he's, he's showing flashes because he's got a coaching staff that believes in him and puts him in position to win. Bill Callahan has made it very adamant very early and very often that he is not all in on ass, on Haskins, period. I mean, it's just yeah. it's the bottom line. Haskins is not has, – I know it's his first season, but there's nobody other than maybe Kevin O'Connell and, and, and management that really are all in on Haskins. I mean, I think they're trying way too hard to protect him from getting real-time reps and, and ruining his – image and his ego and all these other things when he just has to get in and get to work man i mean it is what it is we're at the point now where it's not an accident that he keeps coming in having to relieve case keenum so if he has to come in and constantly try to save the day and you're not giving him the preparation to save the day just let him be your starting quarterback what do we have to lose at this point absolutely yeah. nothing we're one at seven does bruce and freaking dan think we're about to go on an eight game winning streak where we're just going to miraculously turn around and squeeze into the playoffs in the nfc east 
Don't get me wrong. I know the NFC East is extremely mediocre, but at this time of the year, you need to be assessing your players, deciding who you're going to move forward in the next August, next September without. You know, there are plenty of guys in this locker room that have been on just garbage-ass teams, and they're completely aware of how to bounce back from just bad seasons. And at this point in the year, you need to be assessing your talent, assessing Dwayne Haskins, and deciding that, you know, I'm not – I'm completely against what I'm about to say, but a lot of people think that the Redskins – are, you know, going to draft a quarterback. I think that's completely absurd and completely obnoxious. We do not have remotely enough tape on Haskins to even make that decision or even close to making a decision like that yet. I just think that's obnoxious. I mean, what do you think about those talks? I know you're a big Alabama guy. You like Tua, but what do you think about people even entertaining the thought of bringing in a quarterback at this point? So I actually have a lot to talk about with that. So I say let's just wrap this game up because I'm over the game. You're over the game. We have way more important things to talk about, okay? So, Vikings grinded out for eight-minute drive. The game ends 19-9. Yeah, they, they run it out, Dalvin Cook and everybody, 19-9. They just run the ball, like we said. Game's over pretty quick. So, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, let's move forward to what's so, really important. Yeah. So, okay. So, one thing I looked at is after the game, Callahan talking about, you know, I forgot who it was. Someone asked, so, uh, like, what's the quarterback situation looking like going into next week at Buffalo? And Callahan said, oh, well, you know, uh, we'll definitely look and see how Case is doing. But if he's healthy, he's he's going to be the quarterback, quote, unquote, no question about it. No so question me, about it. This guy went 12 Case. for 16, hardly over 100 yards, held the ball like a loaf of bread. And you're telling me that he undoubtedly gets like he's freaking Tom Brady or something. Oh, I'm, I'm, no. This is not Dwayne's job. Are, are you kidding me, Bill? Are you kidding this me? This isn't Pat Mahomes. Last week you were wet and confused. Now you just look confused. So Case Keenum had that ankle injury, what, three weeks ago or something like that. Now he has a concussion. And literally the first thing you say after the game is, no question about it, Case will be the starter if he's healthy. To me, as an intelligent coach, you have to say, well, you know, right now we have to take a look at this quarterback room, see what we have, and see what we need to do. <laughs> any forward. other organization, that's how it is. But nope. And he said right after that, we're still trying to win games, and that plays heavily into the quarterback situation and who we decide to play with. Because I guess we're winning plenty of games. Oh my god! I, I just, I, I just hear the Bruce Allen sentiments echoing throughout everything Bill Callahan says. It's almost like he's a. 85-year-old just liver-spotted puppet for Bruce Allen. It, it blows my mind. And, you know, you're going to have those people on the other side of the argument that are like, well, Dwayne Haskins was three for five for 33 yards and had a turnover. How can you say that he's in a spot to where he can – because he's your first-round draft pick and he's a quarterback and we're not excelling at the quarterback position right now. If you are saying anything other than, the, than that Dwayne should get some form of playing time at this point, I don't know what team you're watching. I, I don't yeah, know what so, team you're watching. I don't. Haskins is the only healthy quarterback that we have on our roster. Alex Smith is handicapped. Colt McCoy might as well be handicapped. <laughs> Case Keenum plays like he's handicapped, and he doesn't even know where he's at right now. He probably didn't even realize he played the Vikings tonight. He probably thought he was still back in high school. Yeah, I hate and to. And for I, some reason, we don't go with Haskins. I hate to echo anything about Colt McCoy because I feel like he died when Jay did. But, um, you know. I, one thing that did make me feel better is Bill Callahan said that if, you know, Case wasn't cleared, Dwayne would definitely be the number one starter and, and Colt would definitely be the number two. But let me ask you a question. And this is something that anyone with a brain and, and any form of football IQ is asking themselves. So you're saying that 
Dwayne Haskins, I, I say to you, everyone's saying and the team and the media is saying that Dwayne Haskins doesn't know the playbook. He's not, you know, he's not ready. He's raw. You know, one get one one year in college football, you know, not a whole lot of experience, you know, having problems with the playbook. Why is he even activated? If you feel like he has no chance of coming in and having even a you know slight impact on the game or being good enough to be a starter. Why are you activating him? Why aren't you activating Colt McCoy, Mr. I've been on 40 different teams in freaking 10 years. Why aren't you activating him? I mean, he has a grasp of the playbook. He has a grasp of what's going on. He can run NFL offense, you know. I understand they don't want to put Dwayne on the field when he's, you know. I mean, they're acting like Dwayne can't break a huddle. He can't call plays. He can't do anything. If that's the case, why is he activated? I will say a lot of things came out um, today. This was a Saturday that after the game, AP talked to uh, Haskins. D'Angelo Hall said it, and then Mike Garoppolo uh, said that he talked to somebody within the uh, organization that said AP talked to Haskins for a while after the game and told him, like, dude, I want you to go get the playbook, and I just want you to shove your head into it and just study this thing and get ready because, like, we need you pretty much. I'm glad you said that. The way that Mike and uh, everybody on Good Morning Football phrased it, D'Angelo Hall and everybody phrased it, was that, AP was kind of making it sound like Dwayne and it was already really content with where he was. And he was resting on his laurels and he wasn't trying to study the playbook, but a little bit of breaking news here about 10 minutes ago, Adrian Peterson tweets that these claims were completely bogus and do not attribute his name to any of these statements because he did not huh. say them. Uh, he said, really? if, you know, don't attach my name to any of this. He said, I told Dwayne that, you know, if, if he puts in the time work that he can become a, a great player in this league, he said he echoes that sentiment to other rookies. So AP fired back pretty much almost immediately once he heard that he was accused of saying some stuff like this. But, I mean, even if he had said this, I mean, that's not a negative thing to say. I mean, there's nothing wrong. No, it's, he's being a leader. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with and, – and, and, honestly, in his retort, he can say he didn't want his name attributed to it, but he kind of said the same thing they did, just a lot more, you know, warm and welcoming, you know? Yeah. So No, definitely. Like, if, if you see someone young and he knows how good Haskins is going to be, he's not like, well, you know, you had a rough night. Well, you know, get him next time. He was like, no. He's like, dude, like tonight, like I know you're mad right now. You hate losing. You talked about it after the game. You look, you know, upset because you hate losing and you're not used to it. He's like, do something. Like, go get that playbook. Like, get better, man. Like, he, it shows that he believes in him. And I like that. Well, I mean, it's not like, you know, like I said, I love Dwayne Haskins more than anybody. He didn't have a great game. And everybody knows that he didn't have a great game in New York. I mean, he brought a spark to the team and they were able to move the ball a little bit more than they were with Case in some instances. But then the day, you know, it wasn't a stellar game, you know, game-changing performance. So, with that being said, you know, that week of practice where uh, Case Keenum wasn't able to play, apparently, you know, players, like D. Hall was saying, players were apparently saying that in practice he was not taking advantage of the opportunity he had to, you know, get practice with the ones. And defensive players were kind of letting Dwayne throw to open receivers. And, you know, there was a lot of reports coming out of practice for that. That's something AP didn't deny. And that's something players in the organization aren't really commenting on. But, you know, a lot of people feel like Dwayne's not really taking advantage and putting his best foot forward to take advantage of being, you know, given the starting job. But, I mean, you know, the team's so committed to Case, I don't know how he could really feel like they could ever even have faith in him up to this point. I mean, everybody – I mean, honestly, how could you feel like this job is yours and this team is yours that when no matter – whenever Case is good, they throw him right back in. They don't give you a week to see what you've got, you know, like they did with uh, Rosen and uh, Fitzpatrick. They don't do any of that. All we do is just throw freaking um, Case Keenum right back in the game. I mean, how does that make yeah. how does that make Haskins believe that this is really his team, or make him feel like he really has a fair shake when he all he's doing is relieving Case Keenum, whatever whatever his injury of the week is? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And like one thing, people come out and say a lot, like, "Well, look at Minshew. Look at all these other backups balling. Why? Why isn't that happening?" 
Because, look, guys like Minshew were like four- and five-year players at college when Haskins only had that one year. So you're taking three or four years of just game-time reps of throwing the football away from this kid. So, yeah, it's going to be a little different situation getting him used to offenses. Yeah. He's still learning. And you want him to come in and learn a West Coast offense with veterans. And I, I, I just – you can be smart. You can be bright. But then the day, you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta help the kid out. You gotta give him some packages that he's comfortable with and do things he's comfortable with. And then, you know, like I said on the other side of that argument, well, they're running the ball down everybody's throat. It's not like they're making the kid throw thirty passes a game. Well, throwing three, five passes certainly isn't getting the job done either, is it? I mean, he throws one bad pass, gets picked off, and you guys want to say the kid's a bust and draft the next best available college quarterback? How is that? How yeah. is that mentality going to make anyone stay, grow, or prosper in DC? How that just doesn't make sense to me. So you just you just said the next big point I want to talk about is people are saying like, I mean even D'Angelo Hall said it like you said this morning like we've got a big decision to make at the end of the year. But my question is, do we? Because one thing that's been talked about recently is just Alex Smith how he's recovering and they've said he's come back way better than they were expecting. Like he's on the field throwing the ball Josh, like 20, 30 yards. Josh, do do you think there's any kind of chance that he can play again? Hell no! That's like saying Ryan Jazier can play again. That guy could hardly get across the stage to announce the Steelers pick this year. I think if you put Alex Smith in a position, I don't care how good of a start he had last year. I don't care how much him and Bruce Howland are holding hands in the press box during the games. I, I don't care about any of that. I don't care about any of the intangibles. All I care about is, is that Alex Smith should be lucky he still has his leg. I mean, should Absolutely. be. He is lucky he still has his leg. I mean, he had what? Over like close to a dozen surgeries. The leg got infected. I mean, there was – it was a compound fracture. For him to be as as old as he is, to where he even gets to a point where he's even remotely safe or capable of playing football again, you know, I, it's going to be too late. I mean, why would you draft Haskins if you thought Alex Smith was going to come back? What kind of sense does that yeah, make? No. To me, to me, it'd be a huge plus if he did come back. I don't think I'm not saying him, him coming back is contact. a bad thing. Don't don't don't, no. don't put words in my mouth. I'm not saying that. No, no. All I'm saying but, is is that I think. For Alex Smith's long-term health, if he wants to be able to play football in his backyard with his kids, he needs to worry about maybe working in the front office for a team. I think he needs to hang them up. Because if that happens again to that same leg, what do you think is going to happen, Josh? What do you think? Oh, it's 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 not going to be good. He's going to lose that leg. Exactly. I would absolutely love him to, to see him stay with the team and be like a quarterback coach or like an analysis for our team. I would absolutely love that. Because he's a great guy. And he, I mean, you see him still involved, like, walking on the field, talking to the players, talking to the quarterbacks, getting everybody ready. He's heavily involved. He's a great guy to be around. Absolutely, man. Definitely. And I, I loved having him here, and I love doing all this. But that's the past. That's last season. And we can't sit here and criticize Bruce Allen when, you know, we're sitting here even discussing it. Because, I mean, think about it, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a talking point. But why are we not all in on Haskins? Why are they even remotely entertaining the thought of Alex Smith coming back if his leg break was as severe as the doctors and everybody says it was? I mean, do they want Alex Smith to get his leg amputated? I mean, do they want him to be in a position where he's mentally, you know, physically and, you know, medically affected for the rest of his life because he played one more year than he should have and didn't listen to the doctors? I mean, at the end of the day, man, like we said with Jordan Reed, life's bigger than football. I mean, if Ryan Shazier were to take another hit like he did, I know they're two deep, completely different situations, but if he were to take another hit like that, you think he'd be lucky to walk again? No, I don't think he'd be lucky to walk again. I don't think it would happen. I, I think there are just too many long-term medical effects to him possibly re-injuring the same leg for us to even consider putting him in that situation. I mean, look what happened with Joe Theismann. I understand that was a long time ago, but, I mean, while, you know, the medical field has advanced and, you know, sports science has advanced, at the end of the day, I don't think it's a good idea for Alex Smith to ever even take a snap again. Do you?
honestly, do you? No, I don't. I don't think he should. Like I said, I, I'd rather him just, you know, still use his talents in football, but not on the field. He he should be on the sidelines somewhere. He should be up in the press box somewhere involved with this team, just not as a quarterback. He brings value to the Redskins organization for what's between his eyes. And, you know, I mean, yeah. he's got a great head on his shoulders. I mean, he, he's a very smart guy. He, he knows what he's doing. He was, had a very good NFL career, played in championship games. You know, it, it's unfortunate how things end for him in San Francisco and Kansas City. But, I mean, Alex Smith has absolutely nothing to be ashamed of, and all of this is out of his control. It's, it's easy for me to sit here and say that for him when I'm not in his shoes. But at the end of the day, I don't. I was there when Alex Smith broke his leg. And let me tell you, I don't want to see that again. I don't. For him, for his family, yeah. I understand that he, he's thinking about that comeback story. But I know somebody who suffered the same exact uh, leg break as him. Um, but he fell 20 feet and, you know, snapped his leg in half, man. And they told him for the rest of his life he did not need to play any contact sports. You know, it's – it's not recommended. And not only is it a contact sport, it's the highest level of football you can play. You are going to have the best of the best coming at you. 300 pound men running four fours coming at you full speed, going right for that leg. And I mean, and, and when it happened to a man, it was a freak accident. Who's to say another oh, yeah. one can't happen. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's fast paced. I was just watching the Kansas state game. The guy got his leg snapped in half. You can't God, control you these things. I mean, I hit a deer on the way to work yeah. the other day, man. You, you cannot, control these things and, and i think he's playing with fire i feel like the organization which i mean whether they've said it or not they've already moved on from them i mean they drafted dwayne haskins no absolutely and because and like, because of the way dan Snyder and bruce allen are they're so nostalgic you know alex smith with his you know he should be hopeful he should be determined he should want to play football again because i mean it's his livelihood he loves it he didn't get to go on his terms but at the end of the day he's up there he's getting in their ears and he's telling them what they want to hear and you know they're thinking about how good, how well off they were last year with that six and three start before Alex went down, and you know they're thinking that they've got some of the best doctors in football and that they can get him back to that point. I think that's selfish. I don't think that you're being considerate of Alex Smith's long term future and health. And I feel like we just need to move on. I feel like Alex Smith can stick around, you know, keep getting paid and you know work on his leg and be a mentor to Dwayne Haskins. But at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, we've already moved on from it. Period. Yeah. So. so that's something else, you know, talking about Haskins is uh, I think it was JP asked Callahan, like at what, at what point does it go from trying to win games to just really looking at this team and develop the players, specifically Haskins, and letting him start and just running with it. And Callahan agreed with him, which kind of threw me off because he said we're still trying to win games. But that's what I'm saying. Like at what point, like what, how bad does the record have to get to where we're looking at players? And he said, you know, it's not just Haskins, it's the whole team, like, we have to just develop guys at some point in the season and look to next season. And, and, and you know, this is kind of this is kind of a one of those moments where I just kind of understand why they picked him as interim is because he's just up there answering those questions as cookie cutter as possible. I understand from Bill's perspective where he doesn't, you know, want the team and everybody to think that they've already given up on the season. But at the end of the day, man, the, the record speaks for itself. You guys aren't making the playoffs unless you go on one of, one of probably the most improbable and best like eight game winning streaks in NFL history. I understand that. We did it with RG3. Not That's not happening with Case Keenum. I'm sorry. And with with how they prepared Haskins up to this point, it's not happening with him either. So at some point, you know, they're going to have to address the elephant in the room and talk about, you know, how the rest of the season is going to go. Because, I mean, fans and people are asking the tough questions, man. And Bill's just kind of dodging them right now. And, and it's going to get, like you said, it's going to get to a point where whether he likes it or not, he's going to have to answer those questions and they're going to have to finally face reality. So Yeah, so we have, I mean, we have three options. We can start Case, have no idea what we have in Haskins going into the offseason. We can start Haskins, see what we have, and if he's good, then awesome. Or third option, he just 
plays terrible and we've given up on Haskins for whatever stupid reason and we draft the quarterback. All options are on the table. So you've got to find out. You can't just say, well, you know, we'll worry about that in the offseason. Like, no, you have to give Haskins a shot. And I don't think we should draft a quarterback, but you, this is the time where you should start being very urgent with seeing what Haskins has and what you really have. And He has no identity. He He's playing relief. He's playing second fiddle to a guy that's playing piss poor. So, I mean – it's just a trickle down effect. I mean, he's he's basically inheriting horrible games, and because of that, he's coming in and he's coming in in really bad circumstances, and being told to basically work miracles. I mean, you know, it, it's it's just kind of crazy to me that people would even want to move on from him after one year. And then you know, you got those people they're going to say, well, the the Cardinals did it with Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen was playing piss poor. That team was piss poor. The Redskins this year, though the record may not indicate it, in my opinion, are a much better team than the Arizona Cardinals were when Josh Rosen was there. Period. End of oh, story. Yeah. Especially defense. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think everybody knows that. But, you know, you're going to have your naysayers. And with that, you know, like you said, I don't know how you could say after a, one season of not even a full year with a, just a terrible, you know, I mean, like I said, better than the Cardinals, but a terrible team, how you could sit here and even just evaluate the kid. I mean, you know, to me, they're basically playing for nothing right now more than the future. So why not put in the future at quarterback work on the future, tell the future what he does good, what he does bad. Because right now, I don't really know who Dwayne Haskins is other than that guy that relieves Case Keenan when he gets hurt. He doesn't really get a chance to show you what he can do, what he can't do. I mean, he has to come in and try to catch us up. I mean, can Dwayne Haskins really say at any point in his career that he's been in a game where we've been up or, you know, where he hasn't had to dig us out from a deficit? Has he been in that position yet? No. Nope. So how can we know what kind of player he is when he's playing great? I mean, there are guys like Kirk play great when they have a lead but can't dig a team out of one. So, you know, I mean, you know, Dwayne could be really good if the circumstances are right. And, I mean, you know, if that's the case, build a good team around him. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, we don't know the kind of guy Dwayne is. All we know is what we're hearing. And that's from them. Is, and the only thing we're hearing is from them saying that he has no chance of playing yet because he's not ready. If he's not ready, why'd you draft him? Yeah. So, that's one thing is getting interesting coming up. Two weeks, we have the bye week. I think that's when things are going to start getting juicy. Um, so that leads me into next week, which is traveling to Buffalo, probably one of the hardest places to travel to just because the fan base is crazy. Yeah, they'll probably kill half our team before we even get in the stadium. <laughs> they'll probably throw us off your table. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, I mean, next, next week is a big game because that could essentially be, you know, we don't know if Case is playing yet. We don't know if this concussion status, if he's going to be cleared or not. If it's like Jordan Reed, we'll never see him again, or he'll just miraculously come back. We don't know. Well, if something happens, we'll let you know. But still, right now, just going to it as if Case is going to start, because that's what Callahan said. If he's healthy, he's going to start. The Buffalo game could potentially be his last game going into the bye week if he plays terrible. So I mean, but Josh, how at, can you say that after this? I, I mean, because if he comes out and playing terrible, there you can't go into a bye week and say, you know what, we're just going to work with Case. He's been playing so shitty that we just believe. Well, I mean, Mr. Yeehaw up to this point has just completely just deflected any indication that Case is playing bad. I feel like the only people that are really saying he's playing bad are us. And, I mean, they're so dedicated to him being our guy. And I feel like there have been so many instances, like after the New York game, where he played awful and Dwayne came in. You know, I mean, you can say the concussion. You can say whatever you want. At the end of the day, he still wasn't playing great in this game either. I mean, he's not yeah. – like we said, he's not – I'm literally almost exhausted from saying this. He's not playing so good that you literally can't even consider taking him out. I understand they want everybody to know that that's their guy. But I don't understand how we can even be confident and even try to tack a deadline on to when they're going to give up on him because when have they even come close so far? No, my deadline's bye week. If he's not out by the bye week – then that shows me this team literally does not care about our long-term success. We're just trying to play for job security right now, which 
I don't even know who has job security. Like, Callahan did it for years, man. They did it for years, and Callahan was on the same coaching staff. And, and, you know, like you said, we don't care about the future. And I'm going to tell you another reason we don't care about the future before we go any further with this Buffalo stuff. We got offered a, a trade for Ryan Kerrigan, and we turned it down. Why? Yep. Why? Reports coming out of Baltimore. The Ravens called about Kerrigan. I don't know what it was, but if it was a second-round pick or better. Why not trade Ryan Kerrigan? Take- I don't care about his kids. I I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up everyone's ass. At the end of the day, I don't care about how good Ryan Kerrigan's been to this team. At the end of the day, the, we're almost in like a Miami Dolphins state of mind where everybody's got to go because this is not working. There are going to be guys like Landon. stay, but everybody else goes. Yeah, exactly. You know, like guys like Landon are going to be here for the long term. Some of the young core players are going to be here for the long term. But guys like Kerrigan and who are some other players you think should be on the trade block? Uh, Norman. For sure, should be first. Like we should just give him away for free. I mean, and let's just go ahead and address Mr. Silverback himself, Trent Williams, who oh yeah, still has not showed up to, to any form of team practice, team anything. Doesn't want to be here. Wanted to be traded, and I don't think I think at this point we're both in agreement that he's not going to be traded. I mean, we've been harassed almost all year, and apparently are still up to this day by Dorsey and other GMs about a possible trade. But I, I it, we're clearly showing that you know he's going nowhere. So. They they said reports are that he still plans to come back by week ten, which I don't really believe. I don't know how anybody can believe that up to this point, no. no matter what the reports are. So if it's me, Norman's gone, Trent Williams gone, Kerrigan's gone. Honestly, I'm ready to move on from Chris Tom uh, Chris Thompson. Absolutely, just he can stay healthy. Now, now, something I will ask you, and this is something that Redskins Nation kind of got buzzing about earlier in the week. Do you think that maybe Chris Thompson stays around just a little bit longer, just because of the Bryce Love uh, surgery that that recently happened? <sighs> To be honest with you, it really just depends on AP. Because at that point, it's just depth. Like, what do you have? And it depends on what Geist does coming back. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got Geist coming back who has definitely been the opposite of reliable up to this point. Not not, not a knock on him, man, but, I mean, he, is, he just hasn't been on the field. It is what it is. He does more tweeting than he does playing, and that's just the bottom line. People in the building have told us that. The, the, you know, the media says that. That's just the end of the day. That's just the reality of it. So, like, like I said earlier, he was tweeting about how bad Case was playing. And while we do echo his sentiments, you know, He's definitely known up to this point as a guy who just talks a lot. So, But like you said, the yeah. running back room is very reliant on AP. I think we've got AP for, what, one more season? He's on a two-, three-year deal? Yeah, I think last year would be his last de- uh, year on the deal. And I think that would be his last year actually playing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's th- this has been a great way for him to head out. You know, we, we're, we could dedicate an entire podcast just to echoing how much we appreciate and respect Adrian Peterson. But, well, like, when it comes to Redskins running back room, you know, I – I hate to see a guy like uh, Chris Thompson go, but at the end of the day, I mean, contract year, he was a J guy. It only makes sense for him to go. And as much as I respect Chris Thompson, I'm glad what he's done for this organization, and I'm glad that he's been able to turn into the caliber player he is. He can't stay on the field. He was a J guy. Um, you know, contract year. I mean, do you, do you want us to keep Chris Thompson? I, I want us to keep Chris Thompson, but I also feel like we can find a guy like him in the draft. I really do feel like we could. No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like I said, it really depends on what we have because, honestly, I don't know if guys is going to stay healthy. I don't know how well Love's going to play. Honestly, I think Love is the bright bright spot in the offense because I don't know if guys is going to be able to stay healthy just because how he runs and just his health. Like, you can't help health. You can't help not getting hurt sometimes. Um, but I feel like Bryce Love is going to be good for us long term. Like I said, we'll probably have AP for one more year. Chris Thompson – I'm so iffy on him, honestly. I honestly, I'd be completely fine getting rid of him just because I do think we could find somebody good in the draft, save some money. Um, I mean, we got one. Yeah, small even way. if it's like a third round, fourth round, 
Exactly. I feel like we can – it's, it's not a knock on Chris Thompson, man. It's just that, you know, there's the position he plays, running backs – at his position are kind of, you know, disposable. I mean, it's not a knock to Chris Thompson. I think he's a great player. But, you know, like you said, we can we can go find a guy like him. But back uh, – Running back's the most disposable position in the NFL. Absolutely. I, th- I mean, that's why the Easily. Rams are regretting paying Todd Gurley what they did for sure. Yeah, look at – look what, when Todd Gurley went out, overweight, uh, retired, Anderson came in and was running the ball and took him to the Super Bowl, so. It, absolutely. So, back to the Buffalo game. Uh, Buffalo's got a very – and it's very under uh, – under under – how do I put it? it? Not a lot of people are talking about it, but Buffalo's got a very stout defense. Lorenzo yeah. Alexander hits the quarterback. You know, they got uh, the Edmonds kid from uh, Virginia Tech, a linebacker. They're very disciplined. Done. This is a team that had Josh Allen not been knocked out of the New England game, could have easily won that game if Matt Barkley wasn't their quarterback trying to lead the last two-minute comeback. Yeah, they're they're like a weird, sneaky team. Like, they're 5-1. and one. They're playing the Eagles tomorrow and Sunday. I think they'll beat the Eagles just because there's so much going on in Philadelphia. We're not even going to get into that. People are calling everybody out of the locker room. It's a mess, apparently. It's a dumpster fire, which I'm glad to see. It's not just us. Um, but I think the Bills win that, and I think we'll see them at 6-1. and one. Like you said, crazy good defense. Just don't have a huge, like a lot of names that people know of. So like I said, Edmonds, Levi Wallace, huge corner out of Alabama. I think they got him like the fifth, sixth round. Ed Oliver out of Houston last year. Tredavious White has three interceptions. He's a corner from uh, LSU. Shaq Lawson from Clemson. So just a bunch of young guys. Not a not a bunch out. of very household names, just because of where they play and the division they're in with New England. You know, they're always in New England shadow. So, but like you said, they're definitely playing above their expectations, and they're 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 they have a very good start to the year. And by the time they get to us, they'll more than likely be six and one. So, but now this is the part where of the podcast where we normally get to score predictions. I will say. It looked like they were going to lose to Miami, and I don't think I'm alone in saying that. I mean, Micah Hyde got a uh, onside kick, re- returning for a touchdown. But leading up to that point, I mean that that yeah. game was not a shoe in. You know, like one thing Buffalo does is that they play to their competition, which is a good and a bad thing. A good thing is then they take every game seriously and they prepare adequately for everything. But a bad thing is then eventually you're going to fall to one of those teams. So I'm going to just come out right and say it. I think the Washington Redskins are going to win this game. I I, Dude, I'm, I do, too. I'm very confident. I think it's the first time I've been able to say it up to this point. I got the Redskins winning 19-17, to 17, beating the Buffalo Bills. I think this is a trap game for them. I feel like the Redskins' defense has shown plenty of confidence, and I feel like the offense can move the ball enough, and I feel like they'll have a lot of preparation time since, you know, they got the Thursday game out of the way. I feel like the AP is going to run hard. And, you know, I, I just feel – this is in my gut, man. I feel like we're going to win this game. I feel like it's going to be close. Like I said, they play to their competition. But I feel like, you know, Terry McLaurin's going to have a big day. Uh, whoever's playing at quarterback going to have a pretty solid performance. And I feel like I feel like we're going to get one of our uh, probably six wins of the season here. What do you think? Dude, I'm so glad you said that. Because, like, I was looking at this, breaking stuff down. I was like, okay, you know, the offense is kind of iffy for Buffalo. The huge thing that's going to make a difference for us, Josh Allen, like you said it before, he can run the ball on his feet. He has three rushing touchdowns this season. I don't think he's going to be able to do that against us. I think we're going to limit him big time, make him to force like to force throws, and I think we're going to get some turnovers off of him regardless who's playing. Absolutely, secondary. because something that, that we hadn't really gotten to yet was that they've got a dinosaur running back in Frank Gore. I mean, yeah. congratulations on breaking all those records, big fellow, but I don't think anybody's worried about Frank Gore busting a 40-yard run on you. I think you'll be glad if he can even run a 40-yard dash at this point. So, with a lack no, of – No, they got, they got Singletary. He's a rookie running up, back. He banged up. He hasn't done much, yeah. Banged he's, up. He's hurt, so they're not going to run the ball on us, I don't think. Yeah, traded Zay Jones. I couldn't tell you who the first – their number one wide receiver was for the life of me, honestly. 
There's not really John Brown. John Brown, Jesus Christ. And then Cole Beasley is their number two. Oh my god. He usually eats us up, but I, this isn't. This Dallas isn't. This anymore. is not your. No, this is not the same circumstances whatsoever. So, I I think this is a. I think this is a win for the Redskins, and I think that's something that not a lot of people are expecting me to say. But, and I've been very pessimistic up to this point. But at the end of the day, I don't feel like the Buffalo Bills are a significantly better team than us. I feel like their defense is elite, and. I, you know, this reminds me a lot of the uh, Bears game earlier in the year. You know, very Dude. very good defense, but inadequate offense. I think the difference is going to be coaching. I think Matt Nagy knows how to make it work with Trubisky and utilize his weapons. I don't feel like the Buffalo Bills coaching staff is going to be able to coach Josh Allen out of this hole that this Redskins defensive, defensive line is going to put him in. I really don't. I literally have in one of my notes, this is the AFC Bears. Absolutely. I'm glad we can. This is it. I see, this is why we do this, man. We're always on the same page. I mean, they're the AFC Bears, man. They they beat the lesser teams, but they still play their competition. But, you know, I, I'm not knocking what the Bills are doing right now at all. They're not going to beat the New England Patriots, and they're not going to the Super Bowl. But they're having a, a, a year to write home about, and congratulations to them. But every good team has trap games. I know a lot of people thought the Minnesota game was uh, they're going to be their trap game because of the history with Kirk Cousins and everything. But this game alone, in my opinion, they're not going to come out and dominate us. I feel like this is going to be a very ugly football game, and the Redskins – playmakers like Terry are going to come out and, and they're going to make just enough plays to win this game for the Redskins. So my prediction is 19-17 Redskins. So I'm trying to think of points, but yeah, so I, I don't see anything on paper offensively that they can do that just overwhelms us. Like you said, they play up to their competition. That's a great point, but like they did against the Patriots and they play down just like they did to the Dolphins. So I think they'll play down to us. And I think we'll edge one out. I was leaning more towards like 2017 Redskins. Because um, <laughs> I think our defense is gonna, yeah, I, that that's what I had going into 2017. So, so me, me and Josh I think it'll be totally, a fun game, though. Would you say? say it's gonna be a fun game? I, yeah, I think it'll be fun. I think it's gonna be an exciting defensive game. Like we said, we both got good defenses. I think there'll be some turnovers, and it's not gonna be a snooze fest like the Dolphins. I don't think so. No, but I definitely think both teams are gonna play bad, and I feel like we're just gonna play a little less bad than them. So, first time I'm predicting a win here on the Burgundy Breakdown Podcast. Miracles do happen, folks. Even in this dark storm of a season we're in right now so but uh you know me and josh looking forward to this football sunday just relaxing not having to stress about it gets football it's gonna be nice i think you're watching you're going to the alabama tonight. game tonight right so yeah i'm watching the alabama game tonight tomorrow i'm gonna be on the road a lot but i'm gonna check in on the bills eagles game just because that's who we play next and uh i want to see how bad the eagles really are doing right now but, um, so yeah, if anything happens, I mean, we've heard a lot of talk. You know, we, we definitely got to keep a look on Case's head and see if he's good to go against Buffalo or not. We yeah. still got a while. That's the good thing about playing swirling. We, yeah, we all, all other things we got to watch out for is the uh, trades. You know, a lot of teams are in the NFL. Manuel Sanders got dealt to the Niners. Um, man, you know, what were some of the other trades that happened? I think, uh, it was another watch, Muhammad Sanu to the Patriots. Uh, yeah, and he said Brady offered him the number 12 jersey. You know that was just a test. Well, we could make another podcast about the speculation from Adam Scheffner saying that Brady's not going to be here next year, which I Dude. honestly is a knee slapper to me. I don't even think that's remotely possible. That's crazy, but Sheffy's the GOAT, so I trust him. Hey, I mean, he's a very valuable source. That he, so the only reason I'm even remotely talking about it or taking seriously is because he says it. So, But we're getting to the point now yeah. where the trade deadline is days away. You know, We're going to see if the Redskins make a move with Trent or any of these other guys and see if they want to deal him, but – Knowing us and our luck and our outdated management, we doubt that's going to happen. So, should be a quiet week for us leading up to the Buffalo game. So, yeah, just keep keep an eye out for Robbie Anderson from the Jets. They said he's on the trade block, and he tweeted out today like some eye emojis, like 
Like he knows something, but that's someone I think is very underrated. He like is. You said he's in the dumpster fire, and but at the same he, time, he could definitely you know, we're, be a huge asset. We're experts in signing wide receiver twos from other teams, wide receiver one money. So I mean, Paul Richardson, yeah, example <laughs> number one. But hey, I will say shout out to Andre Roberts. He's on the Bills. Uh, used to play for us. He doesn't do anything, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, Robert. if 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 I took a shot every time that dude muffed something on special teams, I would be just Scott McClone plastered. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Mercy. <laughs> oh no, Jesus! I'm not trying to get my stomach pumped. <laughs> but hey, guys, you know, just tweet us on the page. You know, shout out to everybody that tweets at us, reacts to our pictures, uh, shares our stuff. You know, we appreciate all the feedback we're getting, guys. I know Josh does. Josh definitely moderates the page while I'm at work. I, not really available to a lot of my stuff while I'm at work, but Josh, you know, keeps us afloat. I try to help out when I can. So yeah, if anything happens this week, we'll definitely let y'all know. Keep you updated on injuries. Might might drop a pod Twitter. here too. If any crazy trades happen, any injuries happen, you know, we'll, we'll be the first on. Promise you guys that. So we can only hope. But check constantly, refresh, turn on your notifications at Berg underscore Breakdown. Something happens, we will definitely be the first to let y'all know. This has been the breakdown. HTTR. See y'all next week. Had to take a quick halftime break to tell y'all a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain. It is absolutely free, and they give you the creation tools that you need that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast right away with no minimum on listenership, and is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app like I did or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now back to the second half of the episode. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.